Already one point for me ahead of Justin. I got Emily to not set you down. <clears throat> hey, we're going to read uh, today's text from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, uh, verses 14 to 30. Hear the words of Christ. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, so he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here are two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will, <clears throat> will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. I'm going to be uh, totally honest with you. I, have, uh, I may look perfect, and my wife's here, so she can ignore that. Um, but I do have a few character flaws. And one of my character flaws is I, I tend to be a bit of an optimist, okay, which that's one, of those, that's one of those answers of like, tell me your biggest weakness. You're like, well, I'm an optimist. It's like a fake weakness, right? Sometimes it's, it's great, but sometimes it can be detrimental. But here's what I'm going to tell you. This year, 2023, and I've said this here, I've said this doing announcements, I've said this in staff meetings, I've said this on committee meetings. I genuinely believe that 2023 is going to be the best year in the history of our church. I believe it. I believe it, and I believe it so much that like I'm, I'm manifesting that, right? Like I'm, I'm putting that out into the world and just saying, look, this is what I'm shooting for. This is the goal. But here's what I know, okay? Here's what I know to be true. I can say that all I want, and it's not going to happen if it's going to happen on the backs of our clergy, our staff, and the, the 20% rule, right? Y'all know the 20% rule, right? 20% of the people in the church tend to do about 80% of the work. And that happens, listen, Justin told y'all to get your steel toe boots on, so you've, you've been warned. And I know this is not going to be the most warm and fuzzy uh, message, but this is what God has laid on my heart. 
And, and I hope uh, if you hear something you like, let's just, let's all be positive and have some affirmation because I'm going to need it this morning. Hey, but here's what I, here's what I say. I, I think we're maybe slightly better than that 80-20 rule, but we still have a lot of room to grow in that respect, right? So the good news is, is that this morning, I think with our text here and with a word from God, I really think that we can come up with a blueprint for how to make this happen. If you all, you all that clapped and said, yes, let's do that, here's how we're going to do it, okay? I think, I think this is the way. So I want to walk back through um, this passage, this story that Jesus tells. And it is a story, but it's a story that illustrates a purpose, right? And it's talking about the ways that God has uniquely equipped and gifted each and every one of us. And so we're going to walk through, I'm going to just point out some things that I noticed. So verse 14, the very first line of this passage for a man going on a journey called his servants. And here's the two key words. He entrusted them with his property, right? He entrusted them with his property. So the first thing we need to do is have a shift in mindset, if we're not there already, that everything we have, every good thing in our life, our money, our resources, the gifts and abilities we have, our great job, our family, everything we have belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. In fact, the only thing that we get to claim ownership of that God's like, yeah, I didn't have any part of that is our sin, right? We did that on our own. We didn't, he didn't help us with that part. So I, I'll never forget learning this message, right? My wife and I, when we were getting ready to get married, uh, we, were, we were doing some premarital counseling, as you do. And one of the things we really wanted to talk about was money. Uh, I don't know if you know this. If you're not married in this room, you may not know this, but uh, money is kind of a big deal in marriage, right? And so we wanted to make sure we went into marriage at least kind of being on the same page with that. And so we were at a point in life where both of us had started our careers. We both had houses. We both had our own stuff. And so there was a couple that was, that was mentoring us. And we just said, hey, how do, we, how do we go about shifting this mindset between like his stuff and her stuff? How do we start thinking about this as like our stuff together? And I'll never, for as, as long as I live, I will never forget what she said to us. She said, I would just challenge you not to think of it as his stuff or her stuff or our stuff. Just think of it as God's stuff. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. I tell you what, that was a good place to start marriage, right? Like that was, that was good footing to get on together because we've been entrusted with the things that God has given us. And that entrusted word is important because entrusted implies responsibility, right? We have a responsibility then to steward the things that don't belong to us. So in this passage, we talk, it's the, the parable of the talents, right? And so he talks about entrusting these talents to his servants, and a lot of times you'll hear this passage preached and people will talk about actual talent, right? Hidden talent, uh, abilities, skills, but very, pra- and, and I think there's a message to be drawn from that and we'll, we'll definitely look at that. But I think very practically in this passage, what is a talent? It's money, right? It's money. Anybody know how much a talent is? Yeah, me neither. So I had to look it up. Okay, a talent, a biblical talent is equal to 20 years wages, 20 years wages. So just let me just paint a picture of that for you. The average uh, income in our country is somewhere north of $50,000, right? So 20 years wages is about a million dollars. So this man just doled out $8 million to people he's not related to, just to hold on to. Think about that. 160 years worth of income passed out amongst these three servants. 
it's probably likely, uh, if not this man's entire net worth, it's certainly a, a large chunk of it. And he's just given it to these people and just said, hey, I'm entrusting you with this. I don't know about you. I'm probably not turning over my checkbook to anybody I don't know real well, right? Probably they got to be related to me. So what we see happen here, though, is that two of these men, one entrusted with five, so $5 million, one entrusted with $2 million, they take that and they take this, this idea of stewarding this and they, they multiply this money, right? They put this thing they've been entrusted to to use and, and they get a return on that. In fact, they both double what they've been entrusted. And then the one guy, the one that's been entrusted with, with just a million dollars, I know, I can't believe I just said that, just a million dollars, what does he do? Well, verse 18 says, he had received the one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. That's the biblical equivalent of shoving it under the mattress, right? I took this thing that you've given me that you, you want me to take care of, and, and I dug a hole and I just put it in the ground and I left it thinking like, well, it's mostly safe there and it's out of sight, out of mind. I don't have to worry about it until I need it again, right? So I don't know, anybody in here a Star Wars fan? Great, like six nerds with me. Okay, let's go. Um, so I'm a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. Uh, I've seen all the movies. I've seen a lot of the, the shows that they've been producing with Star Wars. So last year, uh, Disney released a show called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you're not familiar, which clearly many of you are not, um, was this Jedi master, right, in the movies. And what he does in the first three movies, which is actually the second three movies, but it's really the first. It, anyway, so what he does is he is a Jedi master. He takes this apprentice under him, this Padawan, right, named Anakin. And he trains him in the ways of the Jedi. He trains him how to use a lightsaber, uh, what the force is about. And he, he brings him up to be this great Jedi, right? And then Anakin gets corrupted, right? And becomes probably one of the most famous villains in the history of cinema, Darth Vader. So this show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that came out last year, uh, takes place a little bit after that has happened, right? Several years after that's happened. What's happened is Obi-Wan has changed his name, right? Because he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He's moved to like a desolate planet. He lives in a cave, and we learn that he's taken his lightsaber, the thing that like identifies him as a Jedi, he's gone out in the middle of the desert, dug a hole and put it in there. And in fact, he meets another Jedi who recognizes him and he says, nope, I'm not that person. And in fact, you shouldn't be who you think you are and you should take your lightsaber and go find a place and dig a hole and put it in there and never think of it again, right? He has pushed aside the things that he is called to be. He's pushed them aside let me bury it, just like the servant. Let me bury it, forget about it, and hopefully I never have to deal with this again. So what happens next in this story? Well, it says that the master comes back after a long time. Here's what's important. This master gives out this money, and he doesn't say, hey, can you hold on to this for like a week? I'll be back in a week. I'll be back in a month. No, it just, it says, and then he went away. He just left. So there was a period here of, deep uncertainty amongst these servants. They didn't know when or if he was going to come back. I don't feel like I have to do a lot of heavy work to draw the, the analogy here, right? We, we are just in a season of uncertainty. We're in a season of uncertainty, certainly in our world, but maybe even more specifically in our church and our denomination. There's a lot of question marks, right? But here's what's the important lesson to be learned about a period of uncertainty from this story is that there's a lot of work to still be done in the waiting, 
right? There's a lot of work that we have been entrusted to do that we can't just bury in the sand and go, well, we'll get back to it when and if we need to get back to it, right? We still got to keep working. So what happens is the master comes back and he's settling up and two of these people have actually continued to work. They've continued to steward this gift they've been given. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one, the one guy, the one that buried his, his talent, he says, he says, I was afraid right? Because you're someone who reaps where you didn't sow and gathers where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent. He let his assumption of intentions and his assumption of reactions cripple him with fear and doubt. So he wasn't living into the calling. He was, in, he was entrusted to steward. So I don't know if you can tell, um, that was the intro to the sermon. So good, good job. We're going to be here for a while. Hey, listen, I grew up a good Southern Baptist boy. I'm giving them an opportunity to beat y'all to lunch one time, right? They've, they've been sucking a long time. Um, so I don't know if you can tell, but this morning we're going to talk a little bit about stewardship. And stewardship's never a popular topic to uh, preach about. It's never a popular to- topic to hear about. And as the B-team preacher around here, like, I don't know if it's really my job to do it, but this is the word God has laid on my heart. So I hope you'll stick with me. When we talk about stewardship in the church, we talk about three things, the three T's, time, talent, and treasure, right? Y'all have heard that if you've been around here long enough. Treasure is like the, the nice word. Really what we're talking about is tithing, but they don't want to say tithing. So we say treasure. So I'm going to walk through those three things this morning with you and do a little bit of, um, of teaching based upon this passage that I think we can learn if we are going to live into this call of 2023 being the best year in the history of this church, right? So I'm going to do something, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off, okay? We're going to talk about the money stuff first. Is that okay with y'all? Wow, that was an enthusiastic endorsement. Uh, I promise you it sounds more painful than it is because you're, you're going to get something in this next, next passage that, uh, that if you're like me, you're going to be fired up about. So we're going to read from Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 6 to 10. 6 to 9 is the setup, and then I'm going to tell you when we get to verse 10 because that's the, that's the punch, punch line. Malachi chapter 3, for I, the Lord, do not change. Praise Jesus, right? For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Here's verse 10. Ready? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Sign me up for that, right? What do I have to do? You're going to, open, you're going to pour down blessing upon me? I'm not going to have any need? What, what is it that I, what's this tithe thing? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you what a tithe is, right? It's a weird word, right? Tithe, we don't know what that means. It's like talent. I don't know what that means. Tithe literally means tenth, one-tenth, one-tenth. Everybody say one-tenth. 
right? I, listen, I didn't get real far in math, but I think I can do one-tenth. Um, so one-tenth of your income to the local church. Why the local church? Well, when I read Scripture, when I read the New Testament, there's, a whole, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus is here. What comes next? Acts, right, which is about what? The local church. And then there's a bunch of other letters. Where are those letters sent to? Churches, right. So I read Scripture and I see God's chosen vehicle here being the local church. So my tithe, my 10% to my local church. But what about, what about United Way? United Way is great. I love United Way. I think you should give to United Way. That's an offering, not a tithe. What about Fellowship of Christian Athletes? What about Young Life, Christian organizations? Great organizations, organizations that I give to, organizations that, quite frankly, are responsible for me being up here right now. But if I give to them, that's an offering. Well, what about, what if I give to the local church, but like I kind of put conditions on it and I go, you know, hey, I did youth ministry for 10 years and I really, I believe in the, in the next generation. So I'm going to, I'm going to designate the money I'm giving and say, you need to use this for youth ministry. Still not a tithe. Because guess what? The things I've been entrusted to, the things God has put in my hands, I'm, I'm trying to hold a little bit of control with it, right? I'm not just... I'm not just being open-handed and being a good steward of the things I've been entrusted to. So there's, there's a, let me give you an example, a real world example. There's an organization um, kind of down the road from here. Uh, I'm not going to say their name, but it rhymes with Clemson. And Clemson has a great organization called IPTE, right? Anybody know what IPTE stands for? I pay 10 a year, right? But I know y'all. I pay thousands a year, right? So what does IPTE do? Well, you give to IPTE and they say, we're going to use your money. Well, they say, here's, what, here's what's happening, right? We've done a lot of great things with Clemson Athletics. And so when you give to us, we want you to celebrate the good we've done. And we want you to know that we're going to do bigger and better things. And so when you give us money, we're going to use it to do bigger and better things. Like we might build a weight room and then we have bigger, stronger athletes, so you give and they build a weight room and your linebacker is like, you know, looks like world's strongest man. And then Clemson wins a national championship. And then what happens, right? Then they, they mail you a, a championship ring, right? Oh, they don't do that? Oh, so, well, well, but they let, you, they let you dress out and go out on the field during the national championship game. And then you get to like stand up on the stage with the trophy, right? Oh, they don't do that either? Hmm. So what you get to do is you get to sit far back and go, hey, Good job. I helped make that happen. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But what if, what if my IPTE, instead of being, I pay thousands a year to an athletic department down the, down the road, which I can still do, but what if, what if I challenged my own IPTE and said, I'm going to pay my tithe a year to my local church? Because guess what? When I pay my tithe to the church, I actually get to get my hands dirty. I get to be a part of the ministry that God's doing through the local church. I get to see the impact that we are having, not only on the next generation here, but on the community outside of these walls, right? And I get to actually be a part of God's plan to impact the world around me. I'm not just writing a check. I get to have ownership in that. I get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's do our little math exercise again. Let's say that the average income at this church is $50,000. Try not to laugh too hard, okay? We have about 2,000 uh, people who I would consider income earning age, right? Not children, not youth, not 
older folks who maybe don't earn an income anymore. So 2,000 people times $50,000 times 10% tithe. You know that if everybody tithed at that rate, how much would our budget be? Any quick mathematicians? $10 million. Our budget right now is about three, okay? But let me just tell you, how much of a king, y'all, y'all know that this church does great things, right? On $3 million. How much could we do with 10? How much of the world could we impact? How much could we be such a shining light into this community that people would be like, I don't know what's going on at that church, but those people are crazy, right? God is moving and working. It's not all about money here, but guess what? It's kind of a little bit about money, right? Like God says, this is, my, this is what I need from you to be able to make the impact that we can make as a church. All right, I'm gonna quit talking about money. Tithe, time, right? Tithe and time get tied together a lot. Is, let me ask you this. Is money a more valuable resource or is time a more valuable resource? Time, right? It's the only thing you can't get more of. So I started thinking like, if I'm called to tithe my money, what would it look like if I tithed my time, right? To, to my own personal relationship with Jesus. I started thinking about this a couple years ago. So let's, let's be really generous to us, okay? There's 24 hours in a day, but let's say we sleep eight hours, so 16 hours in a day. There's seven days a week, but even God took a break, right? So let's do six days a week. At 16 hours, that's 96 hours, 10% of that being 9.6. Let's be a little more generous to ourselves. Let's say nine and a half, okay? Let's just make it a nice round nine and a half hours. I'm here on Sunday morning in Sunday school, church, and then I know y'all, you're going to be here 30 minutes afterwards talking because I wait. We've got to turn the lights off and get y'all out of here. Um, so let's say that's two and a half hours, right? Two and a half hours I spend at church on Sunday morning. So that leaves me with seven hours, one hour a day. Let me just ask you the question. How much would your relationship with Jesus change if you spent one hour a day investing in that? Some of y'all already do that. But what if you don't? What if you spent one hour a day? Scripture reading, prayer, discipleship steps, right? How much would your life change? Tithe, time, talent. I'm just going to be honest. I said this at the beginning. 2023, if this is going to be the best year in the history of our church, we need you. Can't do this by ourselves. We can't have the 80-20 stuff. The best picture of this I've ever seen, uh, the first church I ever worked at, 5,000-member Presbyterian Church in Knoxville, uh, we, they had two services, a 9.30 and an 11 service, and they were the same service. And so there were Sunday school classes that met at both, at either hour. And so whatever hour your Sunday school class met, you went to the other service. But in that situation, there's always things that have to go both times, right? Like children, because there's kids all the time. So kids have to be taken care of at both hours. So as is the case, this may sound familiar, um, they were having trouble finding volunteers to help with children Sunday school and watch the kids during, during the worship hours. And I'll never forget, there was a Sunday where John Wood, who was the preacher there, got up to preach and he said, hey, this is the deal. We're having trouble finding children's ministry volunteers on Sunday mornings. And he said, so here's what I'm gonna do. They marched all the children from Sunday school that hour down front. And he said, he said, I'm just, this is not a threat. I'm just telling you very practically, I'm tired of stretching our volunteers and our staff thin. So if we don't have enough people to do this next week, uh, all these kids are gonna be in here. And there's a table in the back if you want to sign up on your way out. <laughs> so we're, we got the kids in the gym. We're going to bring them in. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Okay. But you get the point, right? Like sometimes we can think of needs in the church as like, oh yeah, that's a need. 
But until it's visualized, it's hard to really make that a tangible thing. But I'm just telling you right now, there's a tangible need at this church in pretty much every ministry for volunteers. The title of this sermon is Called to Be. If you've been around here long enough, you know that our our mission statement is to be and to make disciples of Christ. Well, listen, that's too much to chew off on one sermon, so I'm going to try to do, I've been trying to do half of that, right? To be disciples. In order to be disciples, what do we have to do? What did the disciples have to do in Scripture? When we read through, uh, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what did Jesus ask his disciples to do? One thing, right? Two words. Follow me. Following Jesus. But instead of following Jesus, we're taking the things he's entrusted with us and we're just burying them in the ground. Saying we'll get to those at some point, right? Following Jesus is super simple. It's just about listening to him and doing what he tells us to do and following his example, doing what he does, right? Doing what he says and doing what he does. It's really that easy because when it comes to following Jesus, doing is what makes a difference. And following Jesus requires us to have open hands with the stuff that doesn't belong to us. And here's the thing. I've started writing an email to our staff on Mondays, just kind of an encouraging thought um, each week. And so this past week, I, I talked about change, right? And I talk about what tends to happen in change is the things that have been placed in our hands, the things that we're called to steward, uh, when, think, when change starts happening, we, we start to tighten our grip a little bit, right? Because we don't want things to change. So we try to like hold stuff tight. But following Jesus requires us to have open hands because it doesn't belong to us. So if you've heard me preach before, you know that I'm not just a like, here, let me spew a bunch of truth at you and let you go home and chew on it. I like to give you homework. So you got homework today, Okay. Uh, I try to think there's so much here. There's so much that I could challenge you with. Um, and so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, if you've been around last year, we've been really hammering home, prayers, presence, gift, service, witness, right? It's a thing you stand up here and commit to when you join the church. So I'm going to give you one practical step for each of those. I'm not saying you got to do all five, although if you do, A plus, right? I'm just challenging you to find a place where you can take a step in this, in your prayers, Commit your first 10 minutes of your day to prayer if you're not doing that. If that's an area you really need to grow, take your first, the first 10 minutes, right? Your first fruits, the first 10 minutes of your day, spend it in prayer. It might mean you have to wake up 10 minutes early and I'm sorry about that. I think you'll live. The first 10 minutes of your day. Presence, you wanna take a step in presence? There's a table out in the lobby with all the small groups that are running this fall, right? Or this spring, It's eight weeks, eight weeks of your life. I think you'll live, but it'd be a great step. Gifts, y'all were ready for this one, weren't you? If you're not actively tithing to the church, here's what I would challenge you to do. For 90 days, for three months, put him to the test. Put him to the test for 90 days. See how it changes your life. See how it impacts the ministry that we're able to do at this church. Service. There are certainly areas at this church that need help. Every area. There's, and there's, there's really in-depth things like teaching Sunday school. And there's like super easy things like I have greeters where you basically stand at the door and you say, hey, we're glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Don't touch the door handle. I'll open it for you. It's pretty easy, right? The hardest thing you get being a greeter is like today, it's cold and rainy. But I don't know, I don't know if y'all ever heard about the Green Bay Packers, um, but they have people who go and stand in the snow with no shirts on to root for a football team. I think, it, I think we can stand in a little bit of cold and a little bit of rain for Jesus, right? 
witness. Just invite somebody to come sit with you for something. We had the children's choir here on Friday night. We have uh, Dennis Gillen here next Sunday. I'm sure you could think of somebody that would be great to come to that. Just say, come to it, and I'm going to sit with you. We will sit together. You don't have to give them the whole, like, Roman road presentation, and here's how you come to Jesus, and, like, that'd be great. But take a step in that. Following, so, so one of the things, I'm going to close with this. One of the, one of the things that I do in my role of congregational engagement is um, I have to sit on the stewardship committee, okay? And so we had a meeting a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about our goals for 2023. And here's what I said were my goals. I said, I, said, I think our goal should be, let's, let's just move everybody down a seat, okay? So I, this, is, this is me. I'm a church member. So I start, I start, and I come here every week, and I sit here at worship, right? So this is me. I'm in my first seat. So I want to take people in this seat, and I'm going to move them down. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to get those folks to join a small group or a Sunday school class and start getting community. Maybe I'm already in Sunday school and community. Okay, well, then I want to move you down one more seat, and I want to get you consistently giving to the church. Or maybe you're giving, and I want to get you consistently serving in the church, right? And so that was my goal. I said, I said let's, can we just move everybody down a seat this year? Like, think about how much we could do if we did that. If every single person moved down a chair, how much stronger and healthier would our church be? Could that be the best year in the history of the church? And so that was what I said. And then I've been thinking about it for a few weeks. And here's what I realized. I thought about following Jesus. I realized that following Jesus requires us to stop bargaining. And that was me bargaining. I was me saying, if I, could, if I could just get people to move just an inch. Well, here's what I'm saying. Let's just get off the bench. Like, don't worry about sliding down the seats. Let's just get off the bench and get in the game. Let's go out. Let's go out into the desert. Let's dig up the thing we've buried. Okay? We buried it in the sand because we didn't want to have anything to do with it. We wanted to forget about it. God's entrusted it to us, but if I could just keep it safe and not ruin it and not lose money and maybe it doesn't get stolen, then, then that'll be okay. We don't, we don't go anywhere with that. So if you really, if, if those of you that clapped at the beginning and said, yes, let's make this the best year in the history of our church, get off the bench and dig up your lightsaber and be who you were called to be this year. Listen, I'm going to pray for us. And, and I appreciate that. Listen, it, this is not about me. Like I said, I, I told Justin this this week, God laid this on my heart and I said, legitimately, I, this may be the last sermon I ever get asked to preach. <laughs> okay, but, but again, listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. I'm trying to be faithful in that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and, and then uh, we're gonna sing a little bit more. The prayer benches are gonna be open. If you wanna come and, and, and give, something to the God, give something to God in your prayer and say, God, I'm committing to do this. This will be the chance to do it. We're going to have our prayer teams uh, available as well to pray for you. Um, yeah, let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house, to, to know and to recognize the ways that you have gifted and equipped us, the things you've stewarded us with. Help us to be good and faithful servants, to be able to get to the end of our life for you to say, enter into the joy of your master. God, I, ge- I genuinely believe that this is gonna be the best year in the history of our church. 
but I also know I can't do it alone. So who's coming with me? Who's coming with me?